0: Hey Jeff. Hey Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Last week was a hell of a week. Yes, we had Rory Farrell on our podcast and Rory's story is a crazy
1: one. Yeah, he went from a a fuck up in high school. To uh not a fuck up today. Well less of a fuck up. Less he, of a fuck up, Rory. He's a, a he works at a real company, has a real job, plus he's the general manager of Henny Palooza, plus he's on the Joe Budden podcast every week. But and- for the first time, he tells his story. He had never this is his first interview ever. Yeah. Great story, a lot of information, great moments through his life. And one of them just struck a chord online. Yeah, well, when you start talking about Kanye news from 10 years ago, people freak the fuck out. For any new listeners who are returning this week, shout out to you guys. We appreciate you pressing play. And all the messages that we received being like, yo, this story on It's the Reels podcast was super inspirational. There's a whole lot more episodes that we did that uh, you should really listen to.
0: Yeah. So everybody from Sycamore to Wayno to Mayno to
1: uh, who else? Mike Mike Posner, um, Mac Miller. There's a lot of inspirational podcasts that we've done over the last two years that you should really go back and press play on because... They'll really make your day better.
0: Yeah. And what's really cool is that we are taking this live. Yeah. We are going to be at Highline Ballroom on July 26th. Hey, that's a
1: Wednesday night. At 8 p.m. Yes, uh, 8 to 11 p.m. Highline Ballroom, July 26th. Write it down because tickets are going to be on sale this Friday. um, June 9th. You can go to TicketWeb.com or you can go to It'sTheReal.com and we'll make it easy. You have a a link there for you to click on. Guys, we sold out a rap show at SOB's back in February. We're going to sell out Highline Ballroom for a podcast. It's going to be a night unlike any other. Yeah, well, we're not just doing one guest. We're going to do a bunch of guests. Come through. It's going to be a lot of fun. Have a good time. Yes. Highline Ballroom. July 26th, it's a Wednesday night, a waste of time live with us. And we'll be announcing, hopefully, some of the guests soon. Or maybe we'll hold it off. I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure it out. This is, we're, we're doing this for the first time, guys. Highline Ballroom. It's the real, a waste of time live. Tickets go on sale this Friday. But in the meantime, last night you went to the
0: weekend show with... Uh, Ray Schremerd and black?
1: Six I black. did. I did out there in uh, New Jersey at the Prudential Center. It was my first time at the Prudential Center. Got some dinosaur barbecue ahead of time, so it felt like home. We both saw The weekend twice, maybe two years ago. And it's crazy to think about his career, how he went from, you know, those Toronto nights where he wouldn't even show his face, where he was a mystery, to completely owning an arena. I mean – this was like karaoke. He could have just stood there, and he did for a lot of it. Just hold the microphone out and let the audience sing. It was incredible, and it got to the point now with his catalog. I don't know if this is so crazy. I could see him playing the Super Bowl. I just want to put that out yeah, there. I want I don't to be the first to say The Weeknd plays the Super Bowl, talking about you know cocaine and, and, <laughs> and other drugs. Well, if Bruno Mars can do it. I think – yeah, well, he, <laughs> that's true. He's <laughs> actually been convicted. The Weeknd – for the Super Bowl. I just want to say it right here. It was an unbelievable concert. It was really amazing. And there was not one song that he played that was like a throwaway. There was not one song. There were where no bathroom had... breaks where you were just like. It really wasn't. No. It was amazing. Shout out to the He opened up with Starboy. Like, that should put into perspective. He put his lead single from his newest album as the first song, and also his set design is incredible. Do we know who did it? I don't. And if anyone out there does, please let us know. Who did the stage, the set design for the weekend's amazing arena tour? what did it look like? It looked like a spaceship, and, you know, everything's in triangles, and they all moved separately, and... It was really incredible. Uh, you can't
0: say everything looks like triangles cuz then some like internet dork is going to be like the Illuminati.
1: Uh, <laughs> Listen, if the Illuminati's out there and you you set design the weekend's tour, let us know. We just want to know the facts. We're all about the facts. Also, here's a fact. Everybody has been fucking with our album. And this is people who are friends with us. This is people who were fans of us and these are people who never heard anything we put out there musically who went in with zero expectations and were like yo it's a really great album that's yeah.
0: well we somehow ended up on the workout twerk out shout playlist, out to spotify um with a
1: million followers on uh People- on, on spotify uh, we have a lot of listeners we've been checking the stats we have a lot of listeners in la in houston that- and that's beyond like all of our new york brooklyn bronx you know core guys Go press play on Teddy Bear Fresh. That's our album... We have 11 tracks on there, 11 features. Go check it out. Please let us know what you think, and leave a review. That's really cool, too. Leave a review on... It's on all streaming services, Tidal, and SoundCloud, and Spotify, and Apple Music, and Pandora, and... Am Keep listening them. Am I am I missing any of them? I don't Probably. know. Probably.
0: There's, like, Amazon Music or something, but anyway. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Go there, too. Let's talk about who we have on the podcast today. Static Selecta.
0: Static Selecta, who we've known for years. Yeah. Uh, we've been talking about doing this with him for a long time, and, and he comes through in a major your way. Well,
1: if, if you guys know Static Selecta's discography, you know this is a hell of a podcast because he's talking everybody from Two Chains to Kanye West to Nas to Joey Badass. Joey Badass, of course. Yeah. Mac Miller, Saigon, Bun B. Sean Price. A lot, a lot, a lot of great stories in here. Static's a great dude. And, um, oh, of course, you can hear him on Show Off Radio on Sirius Satellite Radio. It's a great episode. I hope you guys enjoy it again. We'll hope to see you guys at Highline Ballroom, July 26th. Tickets go on sale this Friday. Jeff, when do you want to get into the podcast? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Xlax, a.k.a. I got the moves. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a.
0: Motherfucker, a.k.a. Vice President Mike Pence.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Static Select, a.k.a. The Peter Griffin. <laughs> yeah, there's a waste of time with this thrill. Static, what's happening? Good, man. Yeah, good to see you. Uh, you are wearing your Rock Nation hat. Yeah. You sent out a Rock Nation press release. No, they sent that. Out. They sent yeah, that yeah, out. Yeah. They sent out. I sent out the billboard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's official. Yeah, yeah no, nah, it's one million percent. Congratulations. Thank you. You know, uh, you've been wearing that hat for a little while. You know,
2: what's funny is it's like that Rock Nation joke. Like people, are like, oh, everybody that has a Rock Nation hat thinks they. I mean, like, we. Yeah, yeah, we, we have, have ours. Have yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, nah, but people, I've heard like little dudes, you know, dudes try to be slick, say shit like that, and they were saying it to me like. Out the side of their mouth, I was like, all right, bro, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. And you couldn't say anything. No, nah, you know, I could have. It's just like I wanted to wait till everything was 1 million percent official. But right. shout out to the whole team over there. It's been very
1: welcoming. What's the difference before Rock Nation and after Rock Nation?
2: I mean, really, it's to make each other better. You know what I mean? They they didn't want me to go over there to feel like I'm going to blow up because I'm on Rock Nation. They right. want me to go over there to make them better. Because that's, that's what the point of... Working together It's yeah. a partnership Not a um, You know No one works for each other It's like more of a Let's let's make greatness That's Yeah dope. I
0: mean and, and you do talk about this In the Billboard article But like How did it actually happen You
2: know Shout to Christy over there She just told me That my name was coming up In meetings And um, basically I, She was like What's going on I was like Right now I don't really have A solid management situation She's like Come on in And we the next you know, here we are.
0: All the way up to our apartment. Yeah, that's, right, nice. that's right, that's <laughs> this right. This is
2: overdue though. We're the guys that see each other everywhere and go, hey, let's get up and <laughs> do it. Let's make it happen. We never make it happen.
1: <laughs> just just as important to us, and it was it was sort of buried at the end of that of that billboard article. You have worked with our favorite rapper, Titty Boy, aka oh, Two chains
2: Extensively. I, man, <laughs> wait to hear this stuff coming, man. I had to go off on master pill because they put out a, a quote that I said. I was talking about me and 2 Chains album, not Pretty Girls Like Trap Music. Right, right. And they're like, why did Static to say that 2 Chains is rapping like he's from Brooklyn? I was like, yo, pay it. Like, who's running these blogs?
1: <laughs> I was like, I was talking about our project. Wait, people get things wrong on the internet? No, crazy. It's, like, it's
2: out of control. I saw one thing where XXL said something and then someone was like, wow, finally news. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's how bad it is nowadays.
1: Yo, we broke news this week. That was crazy. We had Rory from the Joe Budden podcast cool. on and he did say... Uh, that when he interned at Jeff Jam, so 10 years ago... I already know what it is, and I didn't know that. I
2: saw something about it, what what you're talking about. It was something to do with Kanye, right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But the fascinating thing is that, like, that was a part of, like, a larger conversation. He just brings it up as part of his thing, and people are, like, starving. Just to show you how the internet works, though, I didn't know it was through
2: you guys, and I didn't know it was him that said it. All I saw was, like... uh mike dean put like huh well yeah, yeah. We know
1: mike we know plain pat we right. were just like let's hit him up and just say like hey this is you know what's yeah. going on and and this was on our podcast they were like i don't know i wasn't in the meeting <laughs> so you have a kanye story
2: i mean i was there they, they were referring to uh my beautiful dark twisted fantasy correct yeah, yeah. yeah. i was there for some of the sessions yeah, you Hawaii. you
1: made that you made that flight
2: yeah i was actually out there with Nas and um i went to kanye's for breakfast just like just to go to breakfast <laughs> consequence hit me up like "Yo, yeah said come through so i went over there and uh i had just got out of jail mm-hmm. crazy story like i missed my flight had to book a whole new flight went to um the airport landed there and i was like a day late and naz was like yo where you at everybody was hitting me you know non-stop like where you at so i landed at like 10 a.m and um concert was like yo come to Kanye's for for breakfast everybody's here and I walk in I get to the end of this like street and like everybody's there's no I couldn't tell which house was which it was three houses at the end of like this like
1: called this end. accurate yeah, yeah yeah
2: and um I kind of heard like voices so I just like <laughs> walked in the back of this like driveway and then the back of the house and I walk in and it's a scene out of Chappelle show like, <laughs> it's at this long Adams family table Is you know Common tea, T Q-Tip The RZA Pete Rock like, it was out of control. I stand there and Kanye's like, what do you want to eat? My chefs will feed you <laughs> on my waterfall. And I go out back and sit at this waterfall and eat
0: an omelet.
1: Oh, my like, God. It was crazy. Did it taste better because it was, like, it was in that amazing. setting? Yeah. Yeah. It was
0: pretty amazing. How many people at the table did you know?
2: Every single person. Every That's... single person. Like, Stephen Victor, Victor. Um, who else? Everybody was there, man. It was crazy.
0: That's so wild.
2: But, yeah, I was out there with Nas and we ended up going to, um, after a sound check, we had a show and I was like, He's like, let's go to the studio, with Kanye, and we went over there and just. I've told the rest of the story a bunch of times. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. It was real dope being there for that, and um, I, you know, I, he opened up a couple sessions to had me do a couple things.
1: That's so, so cool. great. So, like, does going to a separate island This is seven years ago? No, I know. Yeah, yeah but... but does that? Does that? Like, do you have to so go? A lot so... of cool stuff. Says, and, and we'll get to that. We'll get to that. No, but we I only am... want to talk about this. That's yeah. right. Yeah, Kanye <laughs> makes news, guys. Kanye gets his place. Yeah, but does going to a separate. Atmosphere, Hell yeah. change everything yeah, for you. We, I do
2: that all the time with people I work with. Like, me and Joey will go to Atlanta and work at Tree Sounds or go be in LA, rent a house, or do an Airbnb, and like whatever. Like, it's completely different.
1: But you still get something out of like being in your studio.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'd say it's all equal, actually. Yeah. Like, my greatest beats have been made everywhere. Like, I wouldn't say like my studio is the place to be to make the greatest music. Mm-hmm. It's cool, but I've made like. Some of my biggest records I made on planes or in in the car, like crazy shit. Are you
1: ever next to someone on a plane when someone just like sort of taps you and is like, "What are you up to?"
2: Yeah, <laughs> all the time. Someone actually tweeted me the other day and congratulated me on the Rock Nation thing. He was like, "I took the uh, flight home from South by Southwest, sat next to him. He's a cool dude." And it's funny because I remember being on the plane making beats. And he's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> Shout out to that
0: dude. Do you like talking on the plane?
2: Nah, I sleep on every flight. Like if I make a beat, it's because I. Got a lot of sleep the night before, which is rare. But I sleep on every flight.
1: We had Brendan Frederick on the podcast.
2: Yeah, that's the whole homie.
1: And B Fred said that you introduced hip hop to him when you guys went to middle school together, and then had uh, like you each had radio shows at your high school.
2: Yeah. Well, no, not our high school. We went, let's get that clear because <laughs> I hate when I read online that I went to a prep school, which is out. It's insane. Okay. Yeah. I went to the free. Local high school, yes. Beefred went to to, no, he didn't till later. Okay, he went. All right, so you know what? Maybe you're right. He went to junior high school with me, yeah, and then went to high school there. Okay, because I think his pops was like a yeah professor. professor. Yeah, Yeah. so that's how he got to go there. I mean, I'm sure his pops made good money doing it. But my point is, is I was like a lower middle class kid that was like. finagled this way to have a show on this prestigious radio station that since there's no such thing as high school radio according to CMJ and Gavin it was a college radio station so I was 14 years old getting serviced by all the labels crazy it's so crazy yeah. and when I when I see 14 year olds now and they're like trying to figure out how to turn their playstation on it bugs me <laughs> I was working 40 hours a week in the summer
1: alright where where are you originally from
2: uh, originally I grew up in Methuen and Lawrence Massachusetts it's kind of like two towns next to each other my yeah. grandmother had a you know, uh, uh, my grandfather had a realty company in Lawrence, so they would basically watch me every day while my parents worked, and then I go back and forth. And um, siblings? Then, yeah, but they're both. My 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 half sister is twenty five years older than me, and my half brother is twenty years older than me. Wow. so I didn't like grow up with any siblings. But um, my parents got divorced when I was ten, and that's when like everything changed. I moved to New Hampshire, which is it was only like twenty five minutes away from where I was at Mm -hmm. but where I was at was like a lot more like urban it was like heavy Latino it was like 85% Latino so at school all 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 I was hearing was you know tribe and Bell Biv DeVoe and like all kinds of stuff.
0: What were you hearing at the new school?
2: Oh, when I moved? Yeah. Oh, kids would come up to me and be like, you know I'm from Compton. It was oh, that yeah. kind of place. That's where Brennan was at. So I, I can imagine now when he looks back, like we were really early on, especially what we were listening to. Like we were children, like little kids listening to Mob Deep and Dr. Dre and then like all that. Like Wu Tang was yeah. like our religion.
1: So how do you transition from just a listener to somebody who, you know, starts DJing? Because you were DJing, yeah, Thanksgiving, static.
2: 1995. Thanksgiving like 1995 and what happened because I was already like my whole life was just listening to hip hop right but I went to um, New Jersey for Thanksgiving and my aunt you know she, my cousin's like you know about 197 I was like I keep hearing about it but I've never heard it and he's like here yeah. he put it on his like the super old school radio where you had to like find you had to put the needle <laughs> right on the right place But it came in clear, and I had I brought I just got a bunch of cassettes and just started recording it, and it was like DJ Premier, Kid Capri, Flex, and this is when like at three p.m. you'd hear Group Home. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I just sat there for the whole weekend recording, and it was like, "This is what I'm doing my life." Like, there's no, there's no like, I hope I make it. Like, I never was like that. From that day at 13 years old, I was like, "This is what I'm doing," and I just never changed that since.
0: Uh, what? So how far outside of Boston were you?
2: Uh, About an hour. And in- then I moved Into Boston When I was uh, Like We had a couple We probably had a couple months Left of uh, high school And I, I got my own apartment And Never looked back
1: When do you actually Start DJing though?
2: Right then That right day Thanksgiving
1: Like What do you know About turntables? Do you know anyone I went who can- home
2: Stole my dad's turntable He got mad at me and I, just, <laughs> I would. I had like this lady In the tramp record I like would try scratching it Took a while But um I just started collecting records Like literally that week When I say Thanksgiving I'm talking about Two days after, I had Farside Running that just came out. So I actually went to... My mother always was a hustler. She always worked at flea markets and yard sales and all that. So I went to this place she was working at, and they had um, Redman, Time for Some Action. They had uh, Funk Dubious, and they had... They had, like, 10 hip-hop 12 inches for a dollar each, and I bought all of them and just practiced <laughs> with those.
1: When did you get a second turntable?
2: Uh, I saved up... Um, there was, like, this crazy place near my, um, in my, my father's apartment, And there was a big pile of wood and I got paid $300 to move this huge pile of wood from one side of the property to the other on a four-wheeler, which was kind of fun besides <laughs> besides all the bugs on the wood and getting dirty. Like riding a four-wheeler around all day for 300 It, it, it took a couple of days, but I made $300, and I went back to the source and looked up Upstairs Records and bought that package. They used to have packages, like two Gemini's and a Jazzy Jeff mixer for $300. Oh my God. And that's how I got them. that But that's I worked crazy. for it. So now I hear dudes talking about they can't afford Beats, and I'm like, bro, you're 35, <laughs> bro. <laughs> Like, I never got a handout on that level. I'm proud of that, though. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. And
1: then, then do you take it to actual like live shows? Yeah, I threw my first show.
2: I was working at McDonald's. I was 15 years old. Um, September 17th, 1997, I threw my first show. And I had some, like, at the time, you know, the underground scene, Rockus and all that was big. Brick Records was big in Boston. And they were big everywhere. But I had 7 Soteric, Acrobatic, Mr. Lift, and um, a couple other groups come through and they rock for free for me. Just because I called like, call them up, like, yo, let's do this show. And there was about, there was probably 200 people there. I made probably 350 bucks after the club raped me or whatever. They, they probably took so much. I don't even know how much money they took, right. but I'll tell you what. I was making less than 200 a week at McDonald's. So right. I make 350 <laughs> in one night throwing a hip-hop show and, and having the time of my life.
0: Yeah. Were any of these rappers, like, surprised to see... A, a tiny person. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like if
2: you, when I talk to them now, like shout out to 7L and this, my man Checkmar from Schizophrenics, he used to always gun on me because I was like walking around with a Philly blunt in my ear. <laughs> like he, the dude's got jokes and shit. I had like a, a headband and like, <laughs> It was just the hip, you know, I was just hip-hop, man. It's, like, not even I understood all of it at the time. We were kids, but it's, like, they look back now, and they're, like, damn, it's crazy.
1: And did your friends, like, turn? Did they, like, understand it at a certain point? Were they, like, oh, hip-hop is... turn? Yeah, did, like, they went from, like, not knowing, like, Oh, no, my real
2: friends, like, shout to Doug and Bug Out. Like, I had kids I grew up with, like, that knew that that's what we were going to do. Yeah. And, you know, through time, they had families and just didn't do didn't fall through but they all knew from the beginning like i took it very serious
1: your entrance into radio
2: with brendan fredericks man <laughs> 2000 uh, no 2000 what am i saying 1996
1: how confident are were, were you then on the mic
2: i was ba- i don't think i hit like
1: i was i hit puberty but i was like yeah, <laughs> yeah it's dj shorty b shorty like, b yeah wow. i got
2: old tapes and i was playing like nothing but the most underground shit in the world like it was just original gun clappers cool <laughs> keith uh man all the like fondle and raucous stuff like very underground show but it was very looking inaccessible back, it was all, <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was stuff you'd have to buy on vinyl you couldn't get it on CD
1: yeah and, and you did that through high school
2: yup and then at college I um I kind of did the same thing in Boston I would like
1: where'd you go to college
2: uh, AI The Arts Institute But mm-hmm. they didn't have a radio station So I will go to Emerson And act like I
0: was like What? Shout <laughs> yeah, out to like Fax One and like You were acting like You were like Studying They knew I didn't go there But oh, I was like okay. Yo let
2: me do a guest set And they'd have me on like At least You know it was, They were doing that Five days a week So I'd at least get on Once a week and DJ But that was I just loved being on the radio
0: Yeah did I mean what was the wh- How many people were listening? Well that station actually At
2: Emerson College Is the mm-hmm. it, It's still there But they cancelled the hip hop program Which is ridiculous That's Fuck whoever did that but at this time, they had more listeners than, like, any station, like any college station in the whole country.
1: It was the biggest Whoa, college station. Wow.
2: They were having more than, like, like as many, if not more, as, like, jamming at the time.
1: Did you know that?
2: Yeah, because you'd be in, like, Maine, and you could <laughs> hear it.
0: It was, like, the frequency of the station was ridiculous.
2: People in Connecticut, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, Maine, Mass. Were, were
0: people from, like, your hometown hitting you up? Yeah, <laughs>
2: not, nonstop. Absolutely. It's crazy, because now, looking back, it's, like, that station was, like, Yo, especially the people locked up. Like mm-hmm. that's all they listen to every night of the week. It was like 8 p.m. You put on 88.9, Wow. and it was so like Clark Kent used to be on there. This is when I was like super little, but like, yeah, Cherry Martinez, Clark Kent, um, Wendy Williams. Like it was crazy. Whoa, this like back in the back in the day. Like that was like 90, man, maybe 93, 94. But like later on, Fax One was on it. Then Optimus, oh, a, a bunch of like JCO who went on to be like a club DJ. And yeah. That. But there was just years of greatness at that station. And while I was doing that, I was interning on 97. but they weren't letting me DJ on there anytime <laughs> soon. It took me a year or two. It's funny, because the old program director, this guy, LBD, shout out to him, man. He was giving me a hard time, because I was doing um, the sore Street Beat, which was like Benzino's show. Right. Mm. But like I wouldn't even talk to Benzino. He'd walk in the room, do the show, and leave, and like, wouldn't even <laughs> talk to anybody. I don't want to talk about that dude. Right. But the point is, is LBD would be like, yo, I don't want you on the radio. Because I was interning there, and he'd be like, I don't want you on air. But he had no say over that show because it was, you know, whatever situation. So he'd be like, yo, I don't want you on the air. And I'd be like, what the fuck? These people are hating on me, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, you know what? I'm not interning here no more. Not right away. I still did for a little while. And I would just keep rolling with Chubb. Shout out to Chubby Chubb, man. That's like my triple OG. Like, mm-hmm. he, he really put me on a lot of shit. But um, I just started doing so many clubs in the city. Like, I was DJing six nights a week all over Boston from Mattapan, Roxbury, to Downtown Crossing, to State Street. And it got to the point where like people were calling up the station like, "Yo, why isn't he on?" And they, <laughs> they came to me like, "Yo, we want you to be on the radio a lot." Like, so just because
0: you were running shit,
2: I, I wouldn't say running shit, but I was just doing all the clubs: Exchange, Vertigo, uh, Avalon, you know, not Avalon. That was for like the, the big joints. But um, what was next? to so, Axis, Bill's Bar, Karma, yeah, all that,
0: all up and down, Lansdowne.
2: Uh, man, I was running around Lansdowne like I own the spot.
0: Well, what was like the the hip hop scene in Boston like? Because when I was there, I went to BU, okay, and uh, I went in like 2002 or well, so. I was there. There was not much happening for at least what I was seeing. Right. Like I saw Green Lantern at Avalon. See,
2: that's like a hip hop person coming to Boston and performing. Right. That's not the scene. Right. The scene by 2002, I feel like a lot of the dudes graduated and were like, at least from that indie scene where like you know. The the perceptionists and all those dudes went on to go to Def Jux, and these guys were traveling the world making money. Like, we were all proud of it because it was off underground hip hop. Yeah. And um, I left in 2003. So, like,
0: because um, I got there.
2: No, because you know what really messed up Boston scene is the the age went from 18 to 21, Mm. and you just started seeing a lot more um, like less shows because when a bunch of 18 year olds could go to Bill's Bar on Lansdowne Street and while out and see a show you pack the club and then now right. it's 21 plus and a lot of the college kids can't go it's a college city so yeah. it kind of kind of destroyed the scene I saw a big change then but the age changed. Like I've never seen a city just change the age of the clubs. That, like I've never even heard of that. Except.
0: I mean, I only knew it as twenty one. I, I just remember like having fake IDs and and going in.
1: Yeah, when yeah. I moved
2: there, I was eighteen and I was in the club every night. It, everything was eighteen plus. Who
1: else? Who else was running around the city at that point?
2: Clinton Sparks. I, he was like one of my uh, you know, like I'd say a mentor. I was like following him around, just watching his hustle, Chubby Chub, g Spin. Mm-hmm. Me and Jeep known each other for man. 20 years now wow. it's crazy like he now he's my new agent and, and, uh, <laughs> the agency group it's kind of crazy
1: clinton sparks was putting out mixtapes then yeah we all were like yep. we were
2: hustling but clinton was like the king of the boston mixtapes as far as the amount he was moving mm-hmm. and um i was doing my thing like i was taking the Fung Wah bus for 10 bucks every like at least two or three days a week down and going, here? going to canal street yeah 200 cds and Getting rid of them and going back same day.
1: Wow. How was that business?
2: Then it, w- it was good. <laughs> and then they started give- giving less for CDs. And, you know, the bootleg game took over so crazy. When 50 came out, it was just CDs went from... You used to get $3 a CD and now dudes are giving like 75 cents a dollar. Damn. But the mixtape game was great and for, for a long time.
1: What was the verse that you were most proud to get?
2: Back then, just having the hostings like Met The Man, Mob Deep. I was getting exclusives crazy like... I didn't really start getting official, like, you know what, the first rapper to ever do something for me was Talib Kweli in, like, 2002. And how'd you get in touch with him? He came to Clinton's house, because we were both on the radio, we were on 97 in Boston, and, um... Taleb just went there like to do the you know the when artists came to Boston, Clinton would always hustle away to get them to go to his crib. Yeah, which I ended up you know later doing too. So sure. that was the whole hustle to get shit done. And he was there, and I was just you know hey, I'm on the radio too. Can you do some of me? He's like sure. He's like and I play an original. He was the first one to ever rap on one of my beats that was like famous. You know what that feel like? It was dope. Yeah. If I play it now, I mean I'm pretty sure Quali or me don't want to play it because <laughs> the beat was whatever and it was just <laughs> recorded bad. Like, but you know it. It was history. I was really excited at the time he hosted the CD, put it out. It moved a lot of CDs.
0: What was it like recording these guys like in uh, your home? Like what? What was your setup? Well, that was at Clinton's house. My setup right. in
2: my house was like a joke. I had like this <laughs> four track uh, Roland eight hundred eight four track, and um, like I remember Royce the five nine recording in my bathroom, and I was like trying to mix it right. And I just <laughs> cannot. He's dropping on like a shore like performance mic, right? like i learned the hard way through the years how to get things to sound right and i say i wouldn't i didn't get good at that till like 2006. it's funny when you look back now yeah like it was only a couple of years that it took me to learn all this like to get nice at it but when i look back now like damn i've been It's just weird, you know what I mean? Like, you look at 10 years back then, was forever, and now it's like, that shit just flew by. You're
1: on the radio at the time. Yeah. Was there one hip-hop station there, or were there...
2: No, you got Jammin', which was like the big crossover hip-hop station. That was 94.5? Yeah, Yeah, and then you got Hot 97, which was like the more urban station.
1: Right. And did you guys go back and forth? Was there sort of like a... there was
2: all kinds of... Like, I wasn't even allowed on the property of Jammin', (laughs) because I was doing Street Team, so I would bring like... I remember I brought Premier there with Guru the day I met DJ Premier. I had already known Guru for a while, mm-hmm. and I brought them there and like they were like, it, shout out to G Spin because he let me in the building. It was yeah. probably my first time going there, even though I was on the other station, and that was like a rare thing because before that, like the DJs didn't even talk to each other. It was like it's kind of like in New York, like yeah. flex and and you know, clue yeah yeah. yeah yeah it's like. Almost down to like beef sometimes. Like I remember there was some crazy situations, but looking back it was all stupid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> dudes are getting like eight dollars an hour to a big show. Like, come
1: on, man. What slot did you have on the radio? I actually um
2: I would do like fill ins, like I'd fill in for Clinton and then Chubby Chubb went on tour with Khalice and he was gone for like a couple months. So I was on six days a week filling in for him. I was on five o'clock drive time every day, weekends, like so every artist that came through I would have on my show. Yeah. And um that was like when he came back, I was like, "I'm out. I'm going to New York." Because what am I going to do? Wait for you to go on tour again? Like they're not going to give me a permanent slot. If, if even if they did, it would be one day a week. Right. So I was like, "I hit my my glass ceiling here. Like it's time to go to New York." Do
1: you think that? Do you think that older DJs uh, saw the work you were putting in?
2: Well, this goes to the convo about the controversy behind what Joey said on Hot ninety seven. Mm-hmm. I don't. Did you see it? When he with was like, with Ebro? He's like, "Y'all need to have more." Uh, young DJs and all that. Yeah. And Ebro said some real shit I really respect him for. He's like, you gotta come take my slot. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree with Ebro. And I told Joey my whole like story of that. Because that's what radio is. That's what DJing is. That's what MCing is. But it's a different generation with the internet now because they kinda skip all that. Right. With the with the whatever. But my point is, like, you gotta take that slot. And I feel like I always had to earn my spot no matter where I was on the radio. Even with Shade 45, like, that was Clinton's show when I moved to New York, mm-hmm. Smash Time Radio. Then I started filling in the last two hours. Then I started doing the whole show when he was on the road. Then he started you know, making like other kinds of music and it just didn't make sense for him to be on Shade 45. And they gave half the show to Lip Service, which was Angela Yee and uh, Leah. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was like, damn, we only got two hours now. And it was still smash time And then they were like Yo we don't know what to do With the show I was like yo I was doing my thing Breaking artists and all that And Paul and Reef Were like yo You can have the whole slot Like what do you want to call it So like I earned show off radio Right Because a lot of dudes in New York Were like yo How the fuck's this kid That came from Boston Have his own show on Shade 45 Right Yo bro I paid (laughs) dues and earned that show so, it's like no matter what, you got to earn your slot, especially as a DJ. Did you feel like
1: Boston was a super small space at that point?
2: Yeah, I just felt like I did every single thing I could have done there. And I still feel that way. Like, you know, especially watching things, how they've changed since. It's like that station ended up closing. What if I stayed? You know what I mean? Right. I ended up being on Jamming later, but I would do it from New York and right. just send it.
1: So, when you were coming to New York, what did you know about like the subways? What did you know nah, about I No, knew,
2: I knew about pretty much all of it. And in the first couple of months just the people I knew here like I was doing the um, street marketing stuff it was like shout out to Biz who's super OG from from Queensbridge he would like in one day we would hit five boroughs with mixtapes <laughs> so I was learning I learned the whole city in like six months
1: and where were you living
2: in uh, the Bronx in Riverdale wow which wow. people get mad when you call the Bronx but whatever it's the Bronx <laughs> but it was a nice neighborhood my boy Doug who I was talking about earlier he grew he, uh, he moved down there with his fiance and they were going to uh, Manhattan College so I got an apartment in the building for like a thousand dollars. It was huge too. Like, I yeah. got a really good deal in the apartment. Um, and, you know, I was just hustling out of there. And then I lived there for about three years and I've been in Brooklyn ever since.
1: Do you have an idea of, like, what you want to do first in terms of, like,
2: The mixtape game was so out of control still that, like, that's all I was doing. I was going and getting exclusives. Like, I would see rap. Like, I saw the first, one of the first times I met Nas. He's like, how the fuck do you have this? Like, <laughs> I, I was getting exclusives at a crazy rate. So I was competing with a lot of these guys.
0: How were you getting the exclusives?
2: Relationships. That's all it's always been. I remember having Kanye through the wire, and it was like the first version where, like, he literally was rapping with his mouth shut. Yeah. And I, I was at uh Rockefeller, and Donna Grim's like, "Yeah, oh, he's like the new guy. You sure you want that?" I was like, nah, I know who he is. I heard." <laughs> I was like, "I'll take that." And look at the. Re- it's crazy to watch what you know he's done.
1: And did anyone come down hard on you for any exclusives? Yeah,
2: I, <laughs> there was times. I was getting phone calls like so and so was looking for you and I'd actually <laughs> reach out and they'd be like cool about it they'd be like no I'm happy we were just wondering where you where you got it. <laughs> like one time someone's like yo if I was you I wouldn't be in New York and I it ended up turning into one of the biggest situations in my life because I I like i uh, I'm not the kind of dude to be like yo I heard so and so got a problem be like oh I hope I don't see them like I'm like the kind of dude that like I want to either squash it or know what it is immediately. Yeah. So I reached out right away to his manager and I was like yo, I heard this. And he's like, yeah, he wants to talk to you, but he's like, he wants you to do his mixtape. <laughs> it's funny how people
1: hype things up. You're established in the mixtape game in New York, but have you reached out yet and started doing live, you know, clubs or parties? Yeah, and the
2: first club I did was Exit. Then I was oh, doing, like, that's, a um, that, that's a big
1: club. That's a big club. Yeah,
2: but I was doing The Roof, which was like, it was cool though. Yeah. yeah. That was a wake-up call when I moved here and like, the 4am thing is a lot different than the 145 <laughs> thing so like starting a DJ at like 11 o'clock and you got this is vinyl Surato's yeah. not out yet and I show up with a couple crates and I'm like rocking and then it's like yo by the time 130 comes you're like oh shit <laughs> a lot of time left <laughs> you know did, did you well, have a friend
1: who carried the crates
2: well I, yeah I homies that to help yeah, yeah definitely I used to carry it see I'm proud of that nowadays people are like oh I didn't carry no crates it's like and you didn't pay dues.
1: Right, right, right. I
2: carried Kid Capri's crates a bunch of times. Really? Uh, Chubbs, Clintons, like G-Spins, all the... That's how I got in the club a lot of the times, especially if it was like a, a private party. Or I, I used to go to crazy parties, and that's the only way I was getting in.
0: What were these crazy parties? Man.
2: <laughs> hundreds. Like, I remember going to um, Mariah Carey's. Uh, it was like her nephew's Harvard graduation at this like hotel in Boston, and Chubb was DJing it. And, like, this shit was super, super private, obviously. It was in the lobby, like, the restaurant part of the hotel. And, you know, everything in Boston closed at, like, 145. Yeah. It went to, like, 5 a.m. And at 4 a.m., they opened up the gates and the kitchen opened. It was just, like, all you could eat, all you could drink the whole night. And Tom Brady showed up. And he was, like, the rookie. (laughs) And I remember him and Mariah just leaving the room. I was like, oh, shit. Okay. I don't know what else happened. But I just everybody in the party was like, yo, Tom just left with Mariah.
3: Right.
1: Drew Bledsoe didn't do that. So, yeah, yeah. That's one of the
2: first times I ever heard his name. It was that early. Tom Brady. It must have been 2000, 2001.
1: But what were you playing like on the rooftop at, at Exit? It
2: was it 2004? It was like... I don't know. Lloyd Banks on fire, and yeah, like that.
1: Okay, so so you're playing around New York. You're you're doing the mixtape thing. It was all before my production. All before. Yeah. So when do you, and 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 Talib Kweli in 2002 jumped on one of your your originals. Yeah,
2: but nothing since then. That right. was like, I wasn't even making beats. That's the thing. I well, went, so
1: when did you start making beats? Technically
2: in 1995, but I never took it serious till right. 2005.
1: So 2005. Yeah. What's the impetus behind that?
2: Um. Just doing what I do at home and I was just messing around and um, me and Terminology made a record and AZ came over for me to do his mixtape and he heard it and he's like, what's that? I was like, oh, some of me and Term did AZ's like, nah, I want it. <laughs> to this day, so AZ's like, yo, tell Term I'll do a verse for him if I can have that record. <laughs> Term's like, well, can I still put on my mixtape and you can just have it for your album? And he's like, all right, cool. To this day A Z still does not in the verse for terms, but it's all good. I got that was my first check. Shout out to Koch for that, even though Koch owes me a lot of other money. But um so that was like my first placement placement. I had some on Kerrias One's album, and it was like an interlude before that and then the A Z record, um it's called Animal was my first placement on like a you know, a internationally placed album. After that, still didn't take it that serious i was still killing it with the mixtapes doing john legend's first mixtape and g unit akon Mm -hmm. and all this stuff and the day that all changed i don't know you might have to google this date it was the day drama got arrested 2007 Whoa! that changed everything in the world like i was calling places and they were acting like they never sold my mixtapes they never sold no mixtapes i'm i called clinton i go you know he owned mix unit i was like what are you gonna do about mixture? And He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, all right, bro. <laughs> that's where we're going. I was like, yeah. I gotta, I gotta figure is something this out. This is a secured my, line. I comes like, about to be out of here because I was making a lot. I was paying all my bills off between the street team stuff and the mixtapes. But the mixtapes was out of control. I'm talking about shipping out thousands a week.
3: Man,
0: and so then that just stops.
2: <laughs> over instantly, like instantly. Yeah. One MTV headline, it's over. It's like losing your job. Even though you go out of the hustles, it's like that's like losing a job. So um. I was like, yo, I gotta start learning how to not suck at beats. Like, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta get nice. Like, was right.
0: Was that the only other thing that you thought about, or were you like, do I do I go straight and like? No, yeah, like I was like, am I, I gonna get arrested? Something? I mean, well, yeah. Mike
2: had just dropped the CD and sold like t- like twenty, thirty thousand in one day. Yeah. So I'm like, what's gonna happen? Like, we're you know, I knew all the the le- the legalities of. I went to school for music. Like, I knew everything we were doing. Yeah, it's like yeah. selling weed, and you get caught. Like, fuck, I knew what I was doing. <laughs> but um, I knew what was going on, and it's just like. I was like, I have to start making my own records. Plus, hip-hop was starting to really suck. Like, I was trying to make mixtapes, and I couldn't because... I couldn't put them out the same volume because shit started to... You know, all these New York dudes started to act like they were from Atlanta, and it was like... It was frustrating. Yeah.
1: Well, did you play any of those records like while you were out? Nah. Just because you wanted to never
2: that shit ever. Right.
0: Like,
1: but do you support it now?
2: <laughs> nah. I mean, it, you know, I'll support like a... a Nah. <laughs> I'm serious though. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think of like the last record. Like a 50 Cent makes like a bounce record and mm-hmm. it's dope. That's mm-hmm. cool. Because 50 always did that since the beginning. But it's like if, if someone from Brooklyn's like talking about like swag surfing and shit like that, like oh, I ain't fucking with that. <laughs> I can't do it. And I, I like club records, I, yeah, course, and I yeah. like the Dirty South records, yeah, right. right, right. I just don't like when people like,
0: yeah, out of their comfort Like zone. Big Pimpin', amazing, yeah, right? Because it
2: was done uniquely. When dudes start changing the way they talk and like who they are from, what like I just don't like that shit.
1: How did you find your sound? How long did it take for you to really figure out what a Static Selector song?
2: I, mean, I had to step out the shadows because my whole life I was looking up to Premier and Pete Rock and you know Q Tip and the RZA, mm-hmm. and it's like okay. I had to find it and to me i think now it's like a mix of all of them on a 2017 like updated uh it really it's the answer is what preem took from molly Marl and those guys and then alchemist took from primo i sure. took from all of them and made my own thing so it's just it's like a, a boiling pot of f- hip-hop
1: who's the first person to really recognize that you think
2: really preem like he as soon as I moved to New York he was like yo come through the studio anytime cause I was hooking up with a lot of exclusives for his radio show and it was like he would just let me come and watch and he doesn't do that with a lot of people so I gotta give him credit for that
0: and his studio was down on like 30 D&D well it
2: was headquarters at that time Mm -hmm. yeah 39th
1: 37th yeah 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 Yeah. how do you get beats to people how do they come to you the
2: mixtape thing made it a lot easier cause people knew like I would get caught so I started working on my first album this is 10 years ago and I was like um you know, I want to do this album. The mixtape game's dead. I have to put out real music and sell it. So I started working on it. I would get like some favors. I started getting name, certain names coming through, and I would, at the time I was DJing for Q-Tip too. Hmm. So Q-Tip did a verse for my album, which made like <laughs> it made it super. He doesn't do verses for like anybody, right? So I did a song with him and Styles P and Term on it, and then um, I started. You know, the features start coming in, and I remember getting a call from Freeway and. I'm like who's this He's like Free I'm like Free who He's like Freeway I'm like what's up He's like I heard you Working on an album Like that shows you You know he was on his hustle And uh, just get That like really Opened my eyes up Like wow people are watching What was it
0: like Working with uh, with Freeway
2: He's by far The quickest uh, Like most professional Rapper I've ever worked with The way he's like I've seen him Write Come up with like a whole song in five minutes in his head without writing one word. And he'll be talking about what's going on in the room. Like, I've never <laughs> seen anyone else do it like that. He's he's one of a kind with that.
1: The slowest, by the way, in comparison, AZ. <laughs> 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 AZ still owes. <laughs>
2: nah, but, yeah, yeah. AZ's uh, pretty dope in the studio. Yeah, too, yeah,
1: Chantel. yeah. That first project you did through... Uh, Brick Records Brick Records Shout out to them
2: I did the first three albums Through them Which was Pretty much land speed Turned into traffic
1: The difference between Putting on a mixtape And putting out an album For you
2: Ah It's <laughs> crazy different I mean I started dealing With the, the whole politics Of retail And seeing people Spend money on Like advertising And placements In certain stores That you didn't even Agree on <laughs> Or And then Brick was good About it But it was like I was getting calls From certain artists Managers Like yo, you can't put that out Without getting clearance And I never had to deal With any of that So Right and you'd be surprised, like, the biggest herb of artists are the ones that give you the biggest problem. Like, the most superstar dudes, no problem at all. Yeah. Like, doing a record with Bun or Snoop or whoever, that shit is a walk in the park. Right. But, like, some new guy that, like, just feeling himself is the biggest headache ever. Especially his teams, because a lot of the time, they're new at it, too. Mm-hmm. Or they're taking themselves too
0: serious, and it's like, yo, bro, chill. Yeah, did you have, like, a team around you? Or was it yeah just... I've always
2: had You know I got a partner To show off And like you know I got term And the whole crew From back in the day Was always around But I did a lot of the The majority of the stuff Like I mix and master All my own shit All the beats I got certain players To come through once in a while And play on songs But I've been pretty much a one. That's why this Rock Nation thing's amazing Because yeah. I've been doing Everything forever And now I have like A real PR department I've had different Publicists through the years But now with like this is a machine behind you
1: so it's like like if you need anything it's like hey are there any records that you wanted to sample back then that you saved until now that you have Rock Nation to go and beat down I (laughs) I would sample I never even
2: cleared samples till later on knock on wood (laughs) nah like I was doing whatever I wanted for a long time but you know now I have to do everything pretty much legit yeah (laughs) <laughs> or just get stuff that's so rare and chop it a certain way. You know what the game is.
1: And what was it like? What was it like bringing people through uh, your home studio? Now you can go into any studio, whatever, and do work anywhere. But like having them come over to your place, yeah, that
2: was like an experience even for the artists like a lot of cats like Saigon would come through and be like yo I like going here more than any other like they'd just come over and drink and party and barbecue that's how I got down with action Joey and them used to come over as like 16 years old like in the backyard my, my crib in Bushwick from 2007 to 2014 legendary yeah like we had the basketball hoop. We had pools all the time. The landlord would come and cut the pool and water would go everywhere.
1: Where do you live? <laughs> now I live in Williamsburg. Yeah. You know, like a grown-up apartment. Yeah. But back then it was
2: like, it was it was like the Carter. Yeah. Did, no, for real, for hip-hop. Like,
1: Did the neighbors know what was going on?
2: <laughs> what? Absolutely. The neighbors would party with us most of the time. There was a couple of haters in the building. But no, that, that building, I'm talking about music going from 8 p.m. till noon.
0: Oh, my God. Man, who were your neighbors? Like Johnny Shipes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. He called the
2: cops. No, uh,
1: nah, they were all cool, man. Shout out all the neighbors in 41 Melrose. That's a legendary building. Yo, let's talk about some of the people who came through. Uh, uh, Mac Miller. Yeah. Right? First time in New York. It, when he rode the subway, right? And and That was the like, second or third time. Okay. The
2: first time he came through, he had a show at uh, SOB's. Yeah, yeah. And he came through before the show, and we just started making a record. And I remember he was like... He's like, yo, I got to go do a show. (laughs) And we were like, nah, just chill. And he's like, nah, come back. And we were all like, he ain't coming back. And he came back after the show. He was like, because he was, he turned 18 about three days before that. What'd you know about him? Well, he had come on my radio show first. Mm -hmm. And he had never been up here. And I was like, yo, let's get in the lab. And he was like, what? He's like, you and, you know, you and turn my favorites. I'll come through anytime. He was like, literally, like, you're my favorite.
0: That's dope. And he had
2: all my beats on his old mixtapes. Yo, he just
0: wanted to come back to your apartment. Yeah. Yo, but the apartment <laughs> was legendary. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. were over there. I
2: mean, we were wild, man. He, he was a, like, you know, a kid. I never yeah. hung out with an 18. <laughs> I always used to hang out with older dudes. Right. Yeah, but like you were like impossibly more, young. <laughs> this is crazy, though. I was just talking about this the other day. As I got more like busy in hip hop, I went from hanging out with like all the older dudes to now. I, I, like, I start hanging on Mac Miller and I'm like, damn, this is crazy, he's only 18. Then Joey, it's like, damn, he's only 16. <laughs> then the kid Astro was coming through and he was like, I think he was like barely 16. And then I did a song with that kid Chris Miles and he was 14 in my <laughs> crib while I'm drinking Hennessy. I'm like, bro, what is going on in my life? Like My hip hop Benjamin Button's
0: not cool right now. Were you ever just like, what do I even talk to like this kid about?
2: Nah, because he was so hip hop, he, he reminded me of myself like it was just he was down for whatever
1: how about action bronson
2: that's a story where i go, i play a lot of uh, pool in les right and i was at max fish the old max fish mm-hmm. and my man paulie was like you know i hear this every night yo my man's nice you should check him out i've been hearing that for years so i'm like all right bro and he goes i'm like what's his name he's like action bronson i was like Like this is an interesting name. It's it's not a name you forget (laughs) when someone that you know tells you. So I was like, "All right, bro, I'll check him out." And I like, I didn't really have no intent of really taking it that serious. I thought he's just another (laughs) rapper. And um, I think it was Lord Sear. He sent me a video. It was the Shiraz video. And I was like, "Oh, okay, this is what my man was talking about." And I immediately just DM'd action. Like I seen he was following me, I DM'd him. I was like, "Yo, come through the studio." He's like, "Say when." And there was a snowstorm. And, um, like, I'm talking about it was one of those storms where, like, everything was snowed in. Yeah. So, like, we literally got snowed in my crib. The downstairs, like, porch was, like, feet of snow.
0: Legendary. And I
2: hit action, like, yo, come through. And he's like, I'm on the way. <laughs> he had never been on any blog. Like, he never, you, you could Google him, and the only thing that's going to come up is probably, like, a J Love mixtape or something. Right. Like, because he was down with that crew. And um, he showed up wearing, like, crazy looking shoes and shorts and the fuck and standing in the two feet of snow Right, and I'm like yo this guy's he's like me kinda cause I'm, I'm all about the shorts but I was like yo he's crazy I wouldn't wear him in that weather though right. and he shows up like that and that's like my first memory and he came through and just got on a record and I was like watch this and we put out the record and like before he left my crib it was on Two Dope Boys oh and like God. Rap Radar and all that and he was like he's like bro I've never been on the internet like I've never been on a blog and I was like yo let's we should do a a couple joints so he came through and i was like let's do an album and he's like get." i was like i'll get you a check and he broke his leg so he was like on crutches he broke his leg working at his father's restaurant right and um he was just like yo i need money and i was like i'll get a check let's do an album and we did well done and crazy that label didn't really handle things right and kind of left a bad taste in both of our mouths but the other day people loved that album Mm -hmm. and you know the rest is history we a whole bunch
1: of shit man
0: that's so crazy all that
1: yeah Uh, talk about saigon
2: saigon is one of those dudes that hit me up early like yo where the fuck did you get that record (laughs) he hit me on myspace and he's like yo fam you played that record on your show he's like where'd you get that
1: how seriously do you take like myspace messages at those times well from saigon (laughs) i was like i met saigon
2: actually in the pool in the bahamas at the mix show power or (laughs) something really yeah and um he was like, it was his first time, like I think, leaving the country on some hip-hop shit. Wow. Like He had just signed to Mark Ronson and all that. And we like kind of got cool there, but then all of a sudden we get back and he's sending me like crazy messages on MySpace like, yo, I got beef with you, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was like, bro, the dude that did the beat gave it to me and said I could play it. It's not my fault. Scram Jones. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and it, nah, like nothing came out of that. And then we ended up getting cool years later and he came through to do... No, what's funny is he came through to remix some, like, strip club record. Hmm. Well, that's not what I do. And right. He knew that. So he comes through, and I just start playing beats. He's like, yo, put the mic on. And he did, like, a whole song in, like, one take. I'm like, bro, we should just keep going. And he, he's like, yeah, whatever. We went out and partied. We went to some hotel party in Manhattan. Wild enough. Mariah Carey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, right. no, no. no. Yeah. This is, like, some <laughs> debauchery, like, just random, like, craziness. And, um... It was like a pool party at the Grace Hotel. I don't know if you guys know the Grace Hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yep. Like, we used to just stay there every weekend and <laughs> invite mad girls and shit. It was like 2009. You had a pool at home. Nah, not them. <laughs> and, um, so... We went back again, and he's like, yo, just start putting on beats. And we started going and going, and we made a whole album in one, in one day. And didn't you Ustream that? No, it was before Ustream. It was like six months before people started doing that. But I wish we recorded <laughs> it. Because no one believed us. Like yeah. XXL, everybody was reviewing it, giving it good reviews. But they would always put some smart-ass shit like, do they really do in 24 hours? No one knows. <laughs> man, let me tell you something. So many people came through and were like witnesses of that. Like Little Fame from MOP came through. My man Puerto Rico Rob. So many people came through and just seen us working, knocking out songs in like an hour. Man. And it's like, that we really did that. And
0: it was historic. And Do you like recording with like a bunch of people around? Yeah.
2: Not now, but back then. Back Why? then when there would be 30 people in my house at all times.
0: Why not now? Because
2: we just, man, I moved, this is the first time in my life, the last two years that my studio has not been in my basement. Right. Like my whole life I've had the studio in my apartment. So, I'm I'm adjusting to it. I'm in, like, a building with other studios in it, and mm-hmm. it only fits a certain amount of people, you know what I mean? But it's a lot less fuckery. It's still fuckery, but <laughs> yeah. a lot less. There's not as much, uh, you know, hard drugs and shit. <laughs>
1: Did you have Bun come through? That's
2: Bun's like my brother. Yeah. He's like my big brother. Yeah, He's been through a million times. A million times. Styles. We've shot a whole video. Styles has been through a million times. Um, Joel Ortiz, Royce. Um, Sean Price. Sean lived there. Like, Sean was there all the time. Sean, even in my new apartment, Sean was, like, like giving me advice about being a father right before she came. One of his last pictures he put up was a picture of my daughter. Like, it was, like, his second-to-last picture he put up. And, um, you know, I miss that dude every day.
1: Yeah, can you talk about what Sean Price was like, Um, not just as an artist, but as a person? To
2: me, he was a better person than artists. Like, his towards the end, he was just, like, rapping. Like, he would do verse for anybody for a certain amount of money. Like, he was just, like... Doing rap because it was his job, but like as far as him as a person, he—that's why people hung out with him. Like he was the man. Like the rap shit was easy to him. He could do it in his sleep. You know what I mean? He could just spit a verse. All right, what's next? Like he didn't—he wasn't trying to act like he was, um, you know, more elite than anyone. He just knew he was. He'd rather do a song with someone that wasn't even that good Mm -hmm. that he liked than someone that was like the illest lyricist ever that he just didn't like. I've seen him choose, like, when I was asking him, he would always pick, like, funny names where I'd be like, yo, who you want to do a song with for the album? Like, even the fact, like, Mac Miller can really rap, but the fact that he was like, I want to do a song with Mac Miller on this is like, those are two people from two different completely walks of life Yeah, that they got along great, and it was like, it made complete sense when we did the song. And you you guys shot the video. it was so fun,
0: man. Which, uh, we were at, that was at at Rock the Bells. The sound set. Oh, that was at sound set? Sound set, shout out to them, yeah. Because it looked like, um... I thought it might have been at Rock the Bells, but um but but uh Schoolboy Q's in that video.
2: Yeah, evidence, um, schoolboy Q, um who else? I think Alchemist, mm-hmm. Joey and them. Yeah. It, it was fun, man. Sean is like he was just like he'd come over my house and just be like, Yo, put on a beat and sit there for like a couple hours and be like, Bro, you done your verse? He'd be like, I'm not writing a verse, but I'm watching the game. He'd be like, alright, thanks man, appreciate it. I'm trying to get my album done. <laughs> Sean Um, was a fun dude, man.
1: Talk about your relationship with terminology.
2: That's like, you know, that's the bro, man. We were born in the same hospital the same year. And we met, you know, we met when we were like 16. But we were kind of, we were from the same, you know, area a couple miles apart. And we were like on the same mission. Like we were both like, he had the same attitude as me. Like, yo, I don't want to do this. I'm going to do this. And we just, you know, when I moved to New York, he just started coming to New York all the time. And then he eventually moved to New York too. But it was like, he just... You know, first time I've ever left the country was with him. The first time. A lot, there was a lot of firsts where, like, we were just always rolling together, like, getting the primo shit done. The Watch How I Go Down record we did was, like, one of the biggest 12-inch on my on my um, label.
1: How does Joey Badass come into your life?
2: Johnny Shipe sends me an email. Yo, I signed this new kid, Joey Badass. And I was like, when I heard it, I pictured, like, a white, like, punk kid. And I'm like, when I heard the name, I mean, not yeah, right, his music. Yeah, 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 not his music yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I heard the name, I was like, word? I was like, I don't know. I was like. With the dollar signs yeah, right. I was yeah. like, I don't know. So he sent me, um he sent me uh survival tactics video. And you press play. Yeah, I press play, of course. Nah, yeah. I've known Shipes forever. Shipes used to manage Clinton. Like I've known yeah, Shipes forever. Yeah. And I pressed play and I was like, Oh yeah, I like the energy, but I was like, yo, they're rhyming over the um what was the name of that group? Uh what the fuck's the name of the It's an it's an underground group from like Canada or some shit. Not swollen members. Uh, it's gonna bother me. Hey, but yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's an underground group from the '90s. Right. They were rapping over the beat, and I was like, "Yeah, but that's not a real song." I was like, "I want to <laughs> hear a real song," because at this point, everybody raps on everybody's beats. I was like, "Anytime I hear a new artist, I want to hear a song." Right. So I was like, "Send me a song." Time goes by. I sent him a couple beats. He's like, "Joey picked this one," but he never did it. <laughs> and then they sent me Hard Knock,
1: and I was like, "Oh shit, this is dope." You knew nothing about him other than no, I never the met I Never met
2: CJ. And I just saw that. I was like, nah, this these kids are special. So um
1: Were they
0: still white? <laughs> no. Nah, not after hard knock. Nah. That, that. <laughs>
2: so uh I seen the video. Oh no, but they weren't I mean I saw the video for survival tactics yeah, yeah, and figured yeah, right, it out. Yeah. Rest in peace, Steez, man. His mm-hmm. energy was so ill. So um one of like Shipes' assistants or something was like, Yo, can you do scratches on um Joey's project? And I was like, yeah, tell him to come too. So Joey shows up with like six kids. And they're all like literally kids yeah. Yeah. In, my, in my basement. And I'm like, this is the time I'm talking about where I'm like, yo, what am I doing? <laughs> hanging out with mad kids. But I like the energy. You know, they all have like the, the skateboards and all that. They're like climbing down the back wall and shit. And um, I do the scratches and he's like, yo, good luck. Like, I'm out. And I was like, it was like in the... In a Bronx Tale. I was like, close the door. I was like, no, you're not. No one, no one's leaving. I was like, I'm playing some beats. And I threw on the first beat I put on, what ended up being Don't Front. They were like, yo, put the mic on. And him wow. and CJ just went back and forth and did it in one take. Wow. Like, they obviously had the song written already in their head. Like, they had been practicing it, but they didn't know what, to, what beat to put it to. Yeah. So, like, I did the scratches in front of them. They were all just like, wow, like, we could do songs this fast? And that ended up being on 1999. And the rest is just like history. They used to come, like Kirk came through to get scratches and Kirk was a kid kid. Like he was way younger than the rest of them. And um Steve's came through and did Like Water and, and uh Intolude 47. And then like we put the mixtape out. Well, not we, but they put the mixtape out right after. And that's when the conversation came up. Like I was going to be his DJ and all mm-hmm. this other stuff. We were working it out. And they dropped it. Um, And like two, three days later, Steve's, it's gone man, it's crazy. I never, I won't never forget man waking up on Christmas Eve and getting all the texts. Like, what? I was looking at Steve's like he was about to be that dude. Like, this kid was the quiet kid in the corner that was like, Mike's on, he came over, did his thing, and he was done. Like, I was blown away by these dudes, and it just that put a whole man fucked up a lot of shit. Steve's was gonna be something very, very special. Like, they were supposed to be Batman and Robin, you know what I mean. And it just uh, seeing someone that young too. It's like I've lost a lot of friends, but like that's a young age to um, to go, man, without even living life.
1: Yeah, know? yeah. What has changed for those guys in the last uh, man, three, been, four years?
2: I've done probably six hundred shows with Joey. But I mean,
1: tired of him now. Nah, <laughs> we're going on tour of July eighth. <laughs> but they've grown into into you know but real. Yes, p- I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, I love Joey. But they've grown into like real like human beings. I watched them go from like.
2: Basically, kids doing dumb shit a lot of the time. They were smart kids though; like they were way more mature than I was at, <laughs> that, that, at that age. Don't get it twisted. I had my own apartment, all that, but I was like getting way more drunk than they were getting. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Now they
2: get drunk. <laughs> when I first met them, they weren't getting as drunk. But uh, <laughs> now nah, I was like, I've watched them literally grow up in front of my eyes. Like, as it
1: and as a producer, though, are you like getting involved with like the themes of their music and 1, like? One million percent. Yeah. And nah, me
2: and Joey. We're actually about to drop something special. Yeah? Yeah, no one knows what it is, but. Do you know? Yeah. (laughs) Does (laughs) he know? By the time, when's this come out? This This comes out on on, on Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Maybe a couple days later. We'll see. Okay. We're about to drop something. Summertime. Yeah? Yeah. And he just dropped the album,
1: like yeah, the more yeah.
2: rap album in the country.
1: And that. and he's about to do Summer Jam main stage.
2: Yeah, we we kind of got to drop it before Summer Jam, <laughs> so you're gonna hear it real soon. Yeah, never could be too lit. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, it, it record shit. Crazy. Um,
0: how are you prepping for uh, Summer Jam? Well, we have like 15 minutes, so probably like
2: in the car on the way there. <laughs> it's not like something you do rehearsal. For. We do this like we we've been traveling with the band lately and um really stepped like we just did rolling loud we were one of the headliners of that and it was like real dope did you
1: get to spend any time down there or was it in and out
2: no no i was there for like four days i stayed longer than anybody because
1: um, we heard it was like really really well done down there yeah, yeah no, like really it was great run.
2: so basically diddy watched us rock right and joey had met diddy during um Kentrick's performance did he was like oh come watch it with me Whoa. and they ended up getting real cool so the rest of the week we were like in the club with him every night we had his crib like I don't want to give away too much but yeah. we had like a real good time Puff was real uh, welcoming and just the calm like we were at the crib and it was just me Joey and Puff like <laughs> on the water talking about like I kind of fell back and let them the way Puff was talking to Joey was like reminiscent of like that bad boy like Brooklyn it, it, it was a good vibe I was like you know what I'm gonna just sit here and listen and I, I have my little uh, sayings, but something amazing's going on with that. Um, Joey's been in the lab with Swiss Beats. Like this is all stuff you can see on Instagram. I'm not like telling anybody. Right. It's yeah. Um, what else? Um, he's been building with a lot of people, and it's like. What's about to happen next is going to be great. He's
0: going to get a
1: Revolt show?
2: <laughs> I think he just did one, actually. I don't know about his own show,
1: but he, he just, shout out to Revolt. Had you met Puff before? Yeah, about yeah but that.
2: not like, you know what it was, is this time Puff, like, the second I walked up, knew what it was and acknowledged it. Through the years, I mean, I was hanging out, back in the day of those crazy parties, those I was hanging out with Puff all the time. Oh, man. My cousin used to work for Nicole Kidman. What? And, um, <laughs> like, we... She would. This is when I was like eighteen, nineteen. I'd be in New York just hanging out with like Puff and Maxwell and Lenny Kravitz and shit. And it was like, what? like wilding out. Like I got a story. The first time I ever met Puff, right? I went to the <laughs> bathroom. I was in. We were at this restaurant. It was Nicole Kidman, Lenny Kravitz, and my cousin and my other cousin Megan. And we would shout to Ellie, who's who worked with Nicole and all mm-hmm. And we were just chilling in this restaurant in Lafayette. And I was like, yo, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And I come back and I sit down and I just look up and Puff's in across from me. Like he just showed up. He's like, yo, what's up, man? We going out? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so he had like two Escalades and like he had a, a Ferrari. So it's like a Ferrari, two Escalades in the back of it. He's like, get in. And we all get in the trucks and we're following Puff. And we get to this light on 7th Avenue and the shit turns green. This is at like 1030 at night, 11 o'clock. And, and it's a green light on Seventh Ave Midtown, and he gets out of the Lamborghini, comes over, and goes, "Yo, you want to hit the blunt?" <laughs> and he gets back in, like that's my first memories hanging out. With puff And then we walked in the club, and his like arm was around me, and shit. It was like it was bugged out as a kid, you know what I mean? Do you
1: bring this up like with nah, him? Nah,
2: I brought up a couple old stories because I've I, I brought up um, there's another funny puff story. I brought this up to him in his crib. There's the video for Nasty Girl, yeah. Um, obviously Biggie, but featuring uh, Jagged Edge and Nelly and yeah. Puff. And I went to the video shoot. This is like a week after I moved to New York. Maybe, no, nah, it was a little bit after that. But anyway, we go to the video shoot, and everybody's chilling, and Sean Prez is like, yo, I think you might be the DJ in the video. Because I'm on at this point, I'm on syndicated radio across. We left out a lot, baby. Anyway, yeah, 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 I'm on the radio across the world at this point. And they were like, yo, I think you're going to be the DJ in the video. So I'm, I'm like, yeah, they, they, they were <laughs> fitting me. Like they had stylists putting on Sean John and shit, like shit way too tight for me. All this like crazy shit and I'm standing behind the turntables and I got this girl from out of town that came and visited. I'm like, I'm just like stunned at the time. (laughs) And I'm like, I probably had like $300 in the bank. I was like, I I just felt good. I was like, yo, I'm about to be in this puff video. er, Pharrell, everybody's there. Everyone's there. And um, all of a sudden they're like, yo, we're ready to shoot the scene. Yo, Green Linton, get behind the turntable. <laughs> so when you watch the video now and they show Green Linton in the video, my arm's next to him like, hey, look at me. But You can't see me. You can just see my arm. Like,
0: Why'd they fit you for all the- The, the... only
2: white arm in the video. <laughs> Why'd they put you in like- he got there like last minute.
1: Oh my God. And then God. in the
2: other video, you can see me clapping in the background. I was like, God damn it. Shout out to Green. Man. That's my Yo, bro. Green's the best. That's <laughs> um, amazing. But I told Puff that story and he's like, oh, he's like, that was a good time. <laughs> you know, it's, it's dope to see where he's at with hip hop right now working on- new music and he got a great vision right now
1: so uh shade 45 and sirius overall sirius xm yeah. is a it's a it's a universal thing this isn't like just nah, Boston. north america oh, oh, so okay. it's like yeah. a lot of
2: people in mexico have puerto rico canada's huge with it everybody in canada has it because for some reason canada has like newer cars than us all the time <laughs> um but all over america has it we have millions and millions of listeners,
1: which which is amazing. Yeah. But it's not just like local for you. So when nah, you when you play you your can't even think like that, right? So
2: I have guests on. And they're like, yeah, tomorrow night I'm in Brooklyn, <laughs> Broadway, and in, in uh Broadway, Marcy. Like, bro, <laughs> what? we got people listening in, in Winnipeg. Like,
0: no one, yeah, but they can fly in. Fly
2: in to promote your show, like, yo, I got a show. But the way they talk sometimes <laughs> is like we're on fucking NYU. It's right. like, bro, this shit is. A lot of people listening. And then other times people fuck up and be like, yo, let me start again. You can edit this, right? I'm like, bro. (laughs) I get really upset now when people fuck up Freestyle because it's like, yo, man, this is the major leagues. And people don't get it, especially with this. Someone could be popping on a blog, blow up, and like the next week they're on the biggest radio station in the world. Yeah. And that never used to go like that. So now, like, these these dudes have never rapped on college radio or even on internet radio. And they got millions of people listening. And they always want to freestyle at the end, like, really, off the top of the head, really, and just choke. <laughs> and everybody in the room is just, like, awkwardly silent. It's like, bro, this is not the place to do that. Like, right. Come prepared. If you really can freestyle, do it. But if you can't, don't do it. Do you respect people who say they can not freestyle? Yeah, but at least have a verse. Right. Like, if you don't want to freestyle, I don't want you to if you don't want to, but... I, I also don't want you to. If you want to, and you suck,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll <laughs> we talk. That. Talk about some of the great, some of the great freestyles that you've had uh, up there.
2: Some of the best ever. Like my show is known for breaking. Like Chance the Rapper's first two times on the radio were on my show, and he he was off the top of the head the whole time. Yeah, and it was always like you know it wasn't the greatest ever, but it was like fun, and he knew what he was doing. Joey Badass first time on the radio. Action Bronson's um, Westside Gunner Conway, mm. um, Mac Miller, yeah. Astro. Who his first time on my show blew everybody away. It might be the best freestyle ever on my show. Logic, mm. Logic really bodied it. Man, who's popping like Freddie? Well, the thing about Freddie Gibbs is I feel like I helped break him through my show, but he can never come up to Shave Forty Five because of some old Interscope shit that he said. That, but oh, I've always right, been supportive right. of him, and um, you know that's the homie. Yeah, um, but we definitely broke a lot of his music first. I did his first
0: mixtape. Mm-hmm. Well, not the first
2: Ski. I got a shout out Ski. Ski did the first one, but I feel like I did the first one that was like they put on iTunes and all that you worked
0: with Eminem what was that like just it's an honor
2: really because to me he's the greatest um, he's the greatest rapper when it comes to I'd put my money on him against anyone when it comes to like you want to battle you want to like I'm talking about bar bar lyrics the only people that are hanging with him in the world are like Kendrick um, Black Dot and probably Jay Mm. there's nobody else there. But has who has that.
0: better Christina Aguilera references <laughs> than Eminem? I can't name one person.
2: Nah, M's career is like untouchable, man. Yeah, like really, it's 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 amazing. So it's an honor to be under there. Shout out to Paul. And Have, I've produced two songs for him, and that's I got plaques on my wall for right. it. Like that's amazing.
1: You're 10 years into living in New York. Do you? 10? F- nah, like yeah. 14. 14. Yeah,
2: 14 in uh, January.
1: Do you feel like you're more New York now than you are? Massachusetts See, that's a hard or...
2: question because, like, sports-wise, I'll always be in Boston. <laughs> um, I miss a lot of things about about New England, like the food. I miss certain things about the people. But, like, my life now, like, my daughter's in New York, baby. She was born on Park Ave. Like, right. I'm in New York. When I'm not on tour, I'm in New York. Like, I'm very New York as far as, like, um, nightlife and culture and food and all that shit. But, like, at the end of the day, when it comes to anything – um, Like, my foundation is all New England and Boston. So I'll always be, like, diehard about sports. And um, it's my upbringing, you know what I mean? But as far as, like, going back all the time, like, I don't – I just – I'm a father, man. I got, like – I have a let record label. I got a career. It's like I just don't go back often unless – Boston's always kind of been cheap when it comes to booking DJs too. So, like, I don't really do clubs up there Hmm. because it's like it never makes sense. I ain't going nowhere less than a certain amount. It's like they're not – cutting close <laughs>
0: where were you when Moby got beaten up by Eminem fans? I was um were you the one there. who beat them up it was <laughs> at Paradise Rock Club yeah it was off of uh, ComApp yeah
2: yeah Paradise I've done a lot of shows there I was there I feel like right around that time too in the exact same place when you see the footage of him getting hit mm-hmm. there was like a sh- crazy shooting and like a couple of like whiz by my head in whoa. the same exact spot whoa yeah so that I remember that a lot more but I've seen that footage and been like oh shit I remember that too like uh, uh, same exact spot we've done so many sold
0: out shows there, but a lot of crazy. I feel, memories, I feel like you're pivoting. <laughs> what do you mean? I just want you to take responsibility for beating up Moby. I <laughs> <No. laughs> feel like I read an interview where you said that you wanted there were there were possibilities of you like doing more like rhythmic records at at, at on at a certain point in your life. Like rhythmic that, as far as what? Like somebody. Asked when I think like rhythmic.
2: Were, I think of like shitty radio. <laughs>
0: That, that's what I want to know Are you going to do Some shitty radio songs No.
2: Nah, I'm going to Definitely do some Like a lot I've done plenty of R&B But I'll do a lot more in reggae And I would love to Produce some rock records At some point in time
0: Do you have any Like specific groups That you can think of I would
2: love to work With like Red Hot Chili Peppers That wow. shit would be amazing um, I'm not sure How rusty Aerosmith is But that would be <laughs> awesome I grew up being A big Aerosmith fan Well local yeah. guys Local
1: yeah yeah. Uh, what placements um, do you really wish worked out over the years?
2: Mm, um, not life is good for Nas. Yeah, we did a song and it was like on the album and it got taken off. But that song we talk about every time. We, well, not every time we see each other because we've been hanging out a lot more lately. But we talk about it and I'm like, bro, I need it. Like I, I either want to <laughs> put on my album or. I keep hearing with, with last him on it because Lost Tapes yeah. Two is coming out. Yeah, so, mm. I don't know when, but it's been talked about for years, and it's still talked about when I'm around. So it's definitely at least going to be on that. <laughs> but like that, the beat is one of my favorite beats I ever made. I mean, it's just I wanted to come out. But we've done some new stuff recently.
1: Were there any Were there any songs that had to be scrapped because of label clearances that that you really like? There was In there my was career yeah. dealing with it right now. Yeah, right now, <laughs> yeah.
2: The Two Chains project. This, we're having some tough times with some samples.
1: Damn. Shout out to Tech, by the way. Yeah, Yeah, shout out to Tech. Yeah,
2: he's he's been riding with it. Like this has been done for like a year. Really, it's frustrating. That's why, like with the Rock Nation announcement, I got mad because some of the sites took what I said in Billboard and made it about me and Chains' album when it was really about announcing my album. Right, I was just like, yeah. By the way, me and Chains have a a project coming, but it's like I'm all about Pretty Girls Love Trap Music. I didn't want two Chains to feel a certain way because I know he's promoting his new album. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't trying to like. Take any focus off that, right? I just, you know, like we were talking about, the blogs will make the headlines they want. <laughs> you gotta be careful what you say, but um, now nah, our project's amazing. But right now, it's all about his album and my album too. Like, he's on my album,
0: yeah.
3: He
2: actually just sent me the vocals like two days ago. This songs
0: a hit, yeah, yeah. So, well, not, is that uh, gonna be a shitty rhythmic? Uh, no, <laughs>
2: this shit is hip hop, hip hop. <laughs> But it's like hip hop. No, you know what? It's kind of ri- it's <laughs> it's kind of like you no. Know, you can hear it on 197 at 1 p.m. and be like, oh this yeah. shit, goes. it's called Man of the Hour. I just announced it on yours. Man of yeah, the I'm Hour, featuring a couple people that I don't want to say yet. But it's Two Chains and two other people.
1: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> can I get it one time? <laughs> <laughs> um. So Summer Jam's coming up. Then you guys go on tour. How long is the Joey tour going to last?
2: There's a U.S. tour and a Europe tour. So the U.S. tour is from July 8th to um, uh, August 16th. And then the Europe tour, um, I think I'm a fallback, and I think Powers is going to go with him. Mm Mm-hmm. He's part of Pro Air, and he does mm-hmm. some certain shows. The Europe shit is just a lot, bro. Sure. Like, I've done so many Europe tours, and it's like, whatever doing, everything going on in the world right now, and just me yeah. having a baby at home, it's like, I don't want to be gone for that long. Mm-hmm. Even the U.S. tour, I'm flying home every week. Is that right? Yeah, I do that. Since, I've, since Harley's been born, I've been flying. Like, every tour I go on, I fly home either on Monday or Tuesday, hang out with her, do what I got to do, my radio show, whatever, then fly back out. How old is Harley? She's almost two.
1: And how has being a father changed you? Not just your schedule, but as a person.
2: Completely, man. It's like, I used to get on planes and be like, yo, my life's awesome. If, if this plane goes down, <laughs> it's all good. I lived 20, 20 other people's lifetimes at once. Right. I was like, it's all good. Now I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, every move I make, like, my daughter got to pay for it. It's like, it's completely different, man. Yeah, I look at everything different. Just even moving around in the streets, it's like, I used to be real short tempered. And like, yeah. the other night I had to catch myself. Like, I used to just be quick to want to you know someone disrespected to handle it and it's like now I gotta be like I gotta fall all the way back
3: Mm.
0: um do you watch a lot of like Daniel Tiger um I don't even know what that is it's a (laughs) children's show Um. nah I
2: watch a lot of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and um Wally Kazam and uh what else uh Oh, bubble guppies!
1: That's my shit. <laughs> have All you thought days. about Have you thought about sampling any of those things? Uh,
2: yeah, I made a couple beats this month. I sampled one from Fraggle Rock. I made Whoa. one from um, but Fraggle Rock's fly. Like, yeah, yes, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I get, oh, sure, when yeah. I watch it, I don't feel like I'm watching it because my daughter. I watch. Yeah. Like, I remember this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I sampled Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry's not really good for the baby though, because like they be hitting each other. <laughs> right. I watch Family Guy with her, and her mom gets really upset. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, for the most part, Family Guy's jokes that, like, she won't get. Right. But then they show, like, dudes get their, blo- like, brains blown up. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah,
0: endless fights, all that.
2: Yeah. But I love Family Guy. Another news. I mean,
0: you are from New England, so.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, nah, that's my favorite show.
0: Um, Did you also get the hat in gray?
2: <laughs> you know what? I need, that. I need that. They've been very cool about the hats, though. Shout out to, shout out to Emery, man. He's the man. Emery is the shout man. Shout out to Brian, too. Yeah. Yo, and the, when they did the Major League Baseball hats... My man Brian brought me the, the hat early. He brought it to my show, and it came in like the ill box. Like yeah. the, when you buy it in the store, it doesn't come in the box. Right. It came in the ill box. You got box. the Red Sox one. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was on a mission for that. If you were
1: gifted a Yankees hat, would you wear it?
2: Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even touch it.
1: When you lived in the Bronx, would you go anywhere people near it? People ask me. I went
2: to the event. Even though I already had the hat, I went to the event at Lids, and like people were hitting me like, yo, get me the Yankees one. I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I met Derek Jeter a couple weeks ago with, with DJ Premier. And he was like,
0: "Is he getting on the record?" No. <laughs> on but I had my record? I had my
2: Rock Nation Red Sox hat on. And I was like, "You see what it is?" I go, "Yo, bro, I hate the Yankees." But I was like, "I respect the fuck out of you." Like, I, and he gave me depth. If I said that a couple of years ago, because I remember, you know, I've known his sister too, and she used to get yeah. mad when I'd be around. She'd be like, "Take the Red Sox hat off." <laughs> She's mad cool. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but nah, Derek cheat is mad cool, and he's someone I. He's the GOAT, man. He's amazing. So shout out to him. But I hate the Yankees (laughs) because I was raised like that and because a lot of sucker shit. Like dudes like Johnny Damon (laughs) and like my uncle taught Babe Ruth how to play baseball.
1: Is that right? My great
2: uncle. Yeah. And it's crazy because part of that curse and all that is that, you know, Babe Ruth went from Boston to New York. Yeah. And it's crazy because I went from Boston to New York and the... Month I moved here, I went to Game Seven and re- they reversed the curse. And I was there. Wow! When I moved from Boston to Wait, New York, talk about an exclusive. I'm the Babe Ruth I of baseball. I'm the Babe Ruth baseball. I'm the Babe Ruth of Hennessy. <laughs> I'm the baby with <laughs> of, <Hennessey. laughs> of hip hop.
1: Yo, thank you so much for coming through. Congratulations. We're looking forward to your album. Yeah, man, We're looking song. forward to that Two Chains album. Yep. We're looking forward to all Two Chains albums. All yeah. Two Chains. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and we're really thrilled that you can come up here finally, and uh, and we'll see you soon. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Jeff, if people want to find out more about us, it's the real. If people want to find out more about this podcast, A Waste of Time with It's The Real, if people want to know where to get tickets for our live event on July twenty sixth, 2017 at the Highline Ballroom, where they go! You can always buy tickets to our Highline show at
0: itsthereal.com. There's also our music at itsthereal.com. You can also listen to our music at soundcloud.com slash itsthereal. All of our old episodes for this podcast are on soundcloud.com slash a waste of time. They are also on iTunes. Search for A Waste of Time with Itsthereal. You can go to Spotify, listen to all of our music. And maybe some iTunes. You can go to Tidal. I don't know. Any any streaming service, we're on there. We're there. Uh, in terms of social networks, we are on Instagram at It's The Real, Facebook at It's The Real, Twitter at It's The
1: Real, Snapchat, we are It's It's The Real, and It's The Real, Eric, because It's The Real was taken. Jeff, this podcast isn't going anywhere unless people spread the word, and we like it to start right here with us. Who would you like to shout out? I want to shout out a couple friends, Mouse Jones
0: and Reek. Hey! Over at the He-Man Woman Haters Podcast. Shout out to our guys over there. Um, everybody over there
1: from Kyle to... They're great dudes. Yeah. They're, they're just a fun bunch of guys talking shit. And, uh, and they don't actually hate women. And we went in there and talked our shit. And I believe that episode's coming out very soon. Look out for that. That's on SoundCloud and iTunes. And there's something like... 101 episodes in. Yes, we we uh we got there after the centennial mark. Shout out to those guys over there. Jeff, I'd like to shout out Lola J on Twitter. Shout out to Lola. She, shout out to her. She said she grew up in White Plains and she just discovered us and has our album on repeat. It's fucking incredible. She says she's going to do a music video. She's a She says she's a model and that she's doing a world star hip-hop video for our song Metaphor with Tunji Ige. Shout out to Tunji out there. Check out Teddy Bear Fresh on all your streaming platforms. Go to itforreal.com and TicketWeb this Friday. Get those Highline tickets now for real. For real, sure, sure. We will see you guys next week.